Welcome to this week's NL full-time podcast and it was another day of action, surprises, spills and lots of goals as well. Joining me on the podcast as always is Chris Pratt. Hello Chris. Hello Luke. And joining us this week as well is Rob Worrell. Another interesting day in the National League and I know Chris you've kind of You've made a statement, haven't you? You said you think it's going to be just three teams battling it out now. Well, it looks that way to me, Luke. Yeah, if you look at if you look at the league table now, it's it's the big guns, isn't it? I'd say it's probably the uh, with no disrespect to the rest of the division, it's uh, Leighton Orient, Salford City, and Wrexham uh, occupying the top three spots. And and for me, you know, they look like the teams uh, with the resources. They're the teams on form. Uh, you know, I would say Solihull are as well, but have they got the resources to to stay up there? And it it just for me looks like the the table is beginning to take shape at the moment. Yeah, Chris, it's really interesting that you should make that point because uh, the exact same thought occurred to me yesterday towards the end of yesterday's game when I turned to my summariser, who by the way was Reece Day Chaps, uh, a former uh, conference title winning uh, skipper, and he spent a bit of time at your club Hyde as well, didn't he, Luke? But um, I turned to him and I said, do you know what? Do you think it might be a three-horse race now? And you've got that little dividing line. No disrespect to Solihull Moors at all. And they would bite your hand off for a place in the playoffs this season. If they can sustain their effort, that will be fantastic. But what you can't really see, and where it backs your point up, Chris, is you can't see all three of those teams in the top three now failing from there because they've got the clout, they've got the players, they've got the resource, and it may prove difficult for anyone else to reel them in. I was trying to think who else might below that, uh, and if I was going to pick any kind of dark horse that might, if they can get a run going, it's filed. Yeah. But of course, yeah. they uh, you know, they, they lost yesterday, and I'm not quite sure what's going on at filed. Um, boys, do either of you know um, anything more about the departure of Joe Cardle from them this week? He's a really impressive player. Yeah, Joe Cardle, Dave Challen has come out and basically said he's, he's, he's Scottish, his family are up in Scotland, he's just had a young kid and he was just finding it hard travelling and being away from his family, so they've, um, they've basically let him leave the club and released him from his contract and he's gone to uh, play football up in Scotland. Well, fair play and good luck to him. Uh, I guess he's not going to get any clubs uh, in England much nearer than Fylde, is he? <laughs> a team with very similar record too, Salford, who you saw on Saturday they're on the front of the non-league paper again because they downed all the shot by four goals to nil and it was it sounded like a pretty impressive performance yeah I, I think it was only as impressive as it needed to be and that's not to take anything away from Salford because uh, they constructed a, a couple of really decent goals but they were also absolutely gift-wrapped goals in the second and the, the 46th minute from Aldershot Town and coming at it from the Aldershot point of view you know you're going to have to really really be on your game to go into a game like that to try and do something that no one else has done all season you know and, and, and beat Salford at their own patch you can't afford to throw them a goal in the first minute through you know not quite taking ownership in the box and, and, and to spill another one at the beginning of the second half it was game over 3-0 two minutes into the second half and you feared whether it might be one of those filed results you know six or seven four it was in the end most impressive for me on the pitch Pierre Gianni at the back and particularly from set pieces in the second half once Scott Rendell had gone off. Politic in the middle and very, very much, boys, the two lads up front. Mm. Um, we talk A lot of clubs in this league have got a, a real goal threat up front, a real handful. Well, Salford have got two, and it's no wonder they are uh, playing those boys week in, week out. And just a nice type 4-4-2 formation because... The work rate of Gaffney um, was phenomenal yesterday and it was Rooney who got on the end of some really, really good moves. But Gaffney was the most impressive, perhaps, for me of the two. That said, though, a, a, a brilliant poacher's hat-trick from Adam Rooney and uh, I caught up with him briefly after the game. I'm joined by Adam Rooney, who's uh, clutching quite rightly the match ball this afternoon. Good afternoon's work for you, wasn't it? You got away to a really good start. Um, and uh, nice to get a hat trick as well. Yeah, it's always nice to get a hat trick. Yeah, now obviously it's good to get a, a good start to the game. There's a full hold, and then we kicked on a little bit from that. Got the second goal. Um, then I think I think that's what he killed them off. Is the early goal to start the second half as well. If, if they had any tensions getting back into the game, I think that that kind of kills the game off. And then it was nice to get the fourth. So uh, no, it was good. It was good. In fact, winning. Yeah, we needed that. We've had a couple of draws lately. We're on a good unbeaten run, but. 
uh, it's always nice to get the wind, especially at home. So, no, set us up nicely now for the replay on Wednesday. And uh, a word for your strike partner, Gaffney. He got through an awful lot of work today and you guys have, have been linking up well and uh, I'm sure you want to pay credit to him as well. Yeah, he always does. Yeah, he, he always gives everything he has and he, he does it for everyone. Yeah. Up, up, he works them off. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> up, um, up top he, he, he gives everything for the team and he, he's very good at holding up the ball. But he's been a great vendor for himself lately. He's, um, scored, he's been on the score sheet quite a number of times the last month or so. I actually thought he might have been up for player of the month last year because of the goals and, and his contribution to the team. But yeah, no, as long as one of us is scoring goals and we're, and we're getting the points on the board, that's the main thing. Oh, well, good luck. Stay fit and good luck on Tuesday night. Thank you. That was Salford striker Adam Rooney and a bit of a feather cap for you to get in there Rob I mean he's he's coming with a big price tag a lot of pressure but he's he's proving that and him there's a reason why they paid that money because he's top scorer in the league now above Macaulay Bond yeah Bond got one yesterday but he has gone ahead of him you're absolutely right and uh, yeah it looks like I'm Johnny on the spot doesn't it but there's got to be a pattern emerging isn't it get the conference's top goal scorer after he's got a hat trick and I just happen to be there because it's always against all the shots isn't it <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if that says more about all the shots defence though Rob does it then <laughs> Well, you know what? It's like Jekyll and Hyde this season and uh, Gary Warwick touched in on it in his post-match interviews yesterday. All the shot at home and all the shot are away are two completely different sides this season. And I'm trying to remember the word Gary used yesterday. I, I, I think he said woeful or hopeless or something in terms of their form away from home. And yet their home form stands up against most sides, you know, this season. Um, I want to talk really about Salford though it was my first visit there yesterday I think having watched the documentaries two and three years ago uh, undoubtedly off the pitch they've made huge strides it's a neat and tidy ground now it's got a lovely fan zone behind the goal there is still work to be done personally and I'm sure everybody who's visited from a media point of view this season very disappointed that in the middle of November they still don't have ISDN line they still don't have power well listeners you can have a good laugh if you like at my expense I've had better weekends so we're talking all the way up to uh, Manchester trying to somehow get live commentary across to the world with no phone lines and no power uh, a missed train and then I've spent uh, about an hour and a half this morning driving all over Cambridge here trying to find a uh, a copy of a non-league paper because uh, it's just a bit of a localised issue I think uh, a bit of a one-off but um, I'm missing my morning read on a Sunday of a non-league paper um, I did get a little text in from uh, Alex Neri and uh, just for those of you who haven't seen the NLP yet uh, just to let you know this weekend's uh, paper has got reaction from Jim Gannon on Stockport's win at Yeovil Marcus Bignett on Guiseley winning at Cambridge full league reaction and Dave Challoner on keeping Danny Rowe at filed uh, plus Rod Stringer on Chelmsford's recent rise before yesterday we'll come to that in a minute mm. but uh, we talk about the podcast curse don't we uh, maybe the non-league paper had one talking to <laughs> Chelmsford about their recent rise yeah Rob's like a Rob's like a bear with a sore head this morning uh, <laughs> can I just say though um I gave Rob good directions and he took Chris's advice and went and got the bus hence why I missed his train <laughs> yeah many, many, yeah. Apologies. many apologies <laughs> yeah you did you did try hard boys to help me out I have to say trains were brilliant yesterday trams were brilliant buses you're better off walking <laughs> moving up into fourth place that was before all the 3pm kickoffs where Solihull Moors who won the early kickoff at Braintree and uh, they took control in the second half. They were really impressive. Were 2 0 up within the first 10 minutes of the second half. The goal see Danny Wright and Adi Youssef penalty. And then they added a goal three minutes later on, in the 58th minute from Matt Stenson, who's a recent arrival from Leamington. And I know friend and fan of the podcast, Hakan Heretin, wasn't happy, Rob. He kept him locked in the dressing room for over half an hour yesterday, basically saying that. They knew what Solihull were going to do, but they were too weak. And I know I said to you off air earlier, they look very flaky, Braintree, and they won't be happy with that. But for Solihull, they just keep marching on. Yeah, I mean, you know, Hakem came in, got a few results together with what he had, and then he's gone set about making some hard decisions for one or two to depart. And I think four came in last week. Um, and, and so that will have really hurt yesterday. Uh, early days, they're really going to have to settle down and, and find their way, aren't they? Again, with a new, with a new player intake, but uh, it will have hurt. Three 0 defeat at home, live on the TV. But Solihull Moors have touched on it so many times this season. They're so good at what they do. 
you know, notably uh, Yusuf and Wright on the score sheet again as they were at Hitchin the week before. Once again, you know, grinding out the first half, goalless, nil-nil, and then bang, they go up the gears in the second half and, and get the job done. And uh, yeah, they'll have fancied going to Braintree and win, winning yesterday. But, you know, I, I think we do. We've, we, we have to accept that they're, they're in this one for the long haul. You know, we're talking too many games now, aren't we? We're not, we're not a huge way short of halfway through the season. And you have to greatly respect Solihull Moors uh, being very, very good at what they do. Failed. They, as we touched on earlier, they lost, they lost Joe Cardle earlier in the week. And it, it looked like it was going well for them. And he took a first-minute lead through Andy Bond. But then Dagenham came back. And like you said, Rob, that, that could well be a result of the day. Great win for Dagenham that against Failed, who sort of the, the progress has been stifled a little. Yeah, it has. I mean, what we've, we've noticed a number of times this season away from home, They've had quite a few nil-nils, haven't they? You know, they, on the days that they don't get going, uh, you know, in fifth, full fifth gear uh, on, on the attacking front, they keep it solid at the back. And yesterday was one of those games um, where, where goals gone in the first minute or so. And you think, well, that's huge. You know, they'll build on that. But they didn't. And uh, credit to Dagenham. Uh, a little bit more uh, spine and backbone about them these days. They're staying in games when they're behind. And, you know, they pulled it round first half with Connor Wilkinson and uh, Jack Munns got the winner uh, halfway through the second half. Another decent win for Dagenham and uh, they really, you know, they are looking to, 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 to get out of trouble. They're now only still in the uh, relegation zone on goal difference where they are uh, breathing down the necks of uh, Haven't and Waterlooville and, and Chesterfield who, who played out a goalless draw that I didn't see coming yesterday as well. How many draws now is that for Chesterfield in the last half a dozen games? To draw the last six games in the league, Martin Allen says he's frustrated, and he had a slight little dig, saying, "Well, that's what happened when you when you sell your leading goal scorer for a hundred grand in the summer, and you've got to bring in players from part time who are just into full time football." So he's um, he said it's taking longer than he anticipated because obviously, a few, what was about a month ago, he said, "Oh yeah, we can aim for the playoffs," and it's just did not really pushed on and I think he's feeling that frustration now as well but the man of the match Dudzinski for having and Waterlooville yesterday and as you say that was a vital point for him because it kept him out of the bottom four with Dagenham winning yeah they're scrambling the points here and there having and Waterlooville full credit to them going to Chesterfield uh, yesterday and, and getting themselves that draw I got a, I had a strong feeling yesterday that might be the game that Chesterfield finally got back to winning ways in the league but uh, still they can't get it done and uh, you know it's, it's amazing really I, I, that's, that's interesting that quote from Martin Allen uh, that's a manager who's very frustrated that's a manager who might just be um, might just be starting to clutch at straws a little bit because uh, you know he has been backed by Chesterfield he's bought in by and large pretty much everybody uh, you know that, that he could have wanted um, and it's not the time in the middle of November almost uh, 20 games in to start talking about uh, the striker that left in the summer um, that's not a great call I don't think from, from Martin Allen and, and Chesterfield's form will be judged on the first result they get that is not a draw it's a statistician's dream right now isn't it mm. you know you can say they haven't won in, God, in however many it is <laughs> or you could say they're unbeaten in six after their bad run so uh, you know, look out for yeah. Chesterfield's game next week. Just going back to the top of the league, Leighton Orient, they they stayed top of the league thanks, to, and they had to come from behind as well. They, they were one 0 down at half time against Bromley, but that man McCarley Bong was amongst the goals. But it was Joby McInnes' free kick which set them on the way, and that was a massive test for Leighton Orient to come through. That Rob wasn't it? It was. Yeah, you wondered if uh, Bromley might pull off a shot with uh, John Goddard's first half goal yesterday, and not too long before half time as well. But uh, those three players that scored yesterday, what massive contributions they're making to Leighton Orient uh, from an attacking perspective this season. Joby McEnough, you know, it's, it almost feels like he's peaking, doesn't it? And, you know, at a ripe old age uh, for a professional footballer, he's having the form of his life. Uh, Josh Caroma basically kicked up a level this season, starting in mid-pre-season, uh, and he's continued it into the season. And Macaulay Bond, who probably looked at half-time, saw that Adam Rooney had got a couple of goals and thought I'd better get my finger out here 
got the third. Yeah, I'm not sure. Well, I'm not sure if they'd be allowed to look on the phones at half time. But no, yeah. far too professional. I'm sure they wouldn't. They are. They are indeed. Yeah, and that being that's another thing to keep your eye on. Not only in terms of the actual teams being at the top, but the golden boot uh, between your Rooney, Bon, and Rowe probably into um, who will who will prevail out of those three. Yeah, well, my money's been on Bon, hasn't it? Since before a ball was kicked, so. I'm going to have to stay with him, but I think probably it's going to come down between uh, Bon and Rooney, although you'd be a fool, wouldn't you, to write off uh, Danny Rowe. Just quickly to cover three matches yesterday, I can't remember there being three nil-nils in the National League this season, but uh, that was the case at Boromwood, at Chesterfield and at Gateshead. Mm. Um, so uh, all, you know, all that they served to prove was... Uh, uh, a little bit of an extra uh, points lead for Salford and for for Orient. We should of course mention Wrexham, another team who were involved in a in a draw yesterday. Again, late goals traded in the second half. Uh, Simon Walton putting Maidstone ahead, and uh, Brad Walker equalising for Wrexham. In terms of um, there's some in- and a couple of interesting subplots though into this top three. I mean, the non-league paper today are linking Sam Ricketts, Wrexham manager, with the vacant manager's job at Shrewsbury he said he's not had any contact but it, it wouldn't be a job that he'd want to turn down really or, or would he does he feel that maybe look I'm in my first managerial job and it'd be a feather in my cap to get Wrexham promoted it's, it's difficult isn't it for him because he is in the middle of a he's in the middle of a job he's doing a good job and you know what what might be in the back of his mind is is looking at the experience that John Askey had as well. Um, now they're very different managers, very different people, but he might be thinking, well, what happens if I do go there and it all goes wrong? And um, you know, I've left Wrexham, and you know, it hasn't worked for me at Shrewsbury. I'm not. I think he'll. Uh, I think he'll look at that, and I think he'll think that um, you know, I've got an opportunity to do some really good things at Wrexham. So yeah, I think one to keep an eye on, though. Be interesting how that plays out, really. Because I said yeah. at the start the top of the, sh- the top of the podcast, Rob, that there was goals galore. Well, one place it wasn't was in the National League yesterday. There wasn't surprisingly there wasn't a lot of goals around yesterday. There's normally a lot to talk about, but like you say, three nil nils is quite unheard of in the National League yeah and, and it would be a miss of us uh, as part of this discussion to leave out Eastleigh who did bang in three goals mm. away from home up at Barrow and uh, Barrow's form just uh, starting to get a little bit flaky right now isn't it a couple of goals for Paul McCallum and uh, Ben Williamson with one uh, fantastic you know for a club on the south coast of England that's got to be one of the longest trips of the season up to Barrow yesterday and they'll have had a long and happy, enjoyable uh, journey home after that 3-0 win. Yeah, and also with Eastleigh, we were saying this year maybe the money's not been quite there as as we expected and are they dark horses to get in the playoffs and, and shake it up a little bit? Certainly now Ben Strevens has gone in there and he's got the job permanently. This seems to be they seem to have settled everything down again a little bit. Yeah, I mean, looking at the league table right now, they're two places and three points off the playoffs. So they will feel that they are in that fight. Um, they had a little bit of momentum before Strevens came on board. And obviously they had a bit of a wobble that day against Aldershot. But yes, and went out of the FA Cup as well. But Strevens has steadied the ship. He's got the uh, he's got the uh, the job full-time. And now they're starting to put a, a decent little run together. So, uh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, if you were looking at the race for the playoffs, we talked about the three-team title race, possibly. Uh, if you were looking at the race for the playoffs, then um, you know, you, uh, you, you'd you have to say, at the moment, realistically, Hartlepool, Borenwood, Eastley and Gates are the four sides outside the playoffs that would give mm-hmm. themselves a fighting chance of that. Uh, a little bit of a gap then down to uh, Halifax. One team we did forget to mention earlier, and fair play to them, they've got a game in hand now. If they win it, they'd probably consider themselves in that uh, title race wouldn't they and that's Harrogate who've only lost a couple of games all season and uh, uh, you know have, have yet to be put to bed in terms of that title race Hartlepool they play Barnet on the Sunday afternoon after this podcast has been recorded but if they do win that then they will be on 31 points and if they get if they score enough goals they'll leapfrog easily into ninth position so we're keeping an eye on that that is on BT Sport on Sunday afternoon so we're going to look now at the National League South. So we'll have a look now at the National League North. Hi, I'm Adam Summerton. You're listening to the NL Full-Time Podcast. And Chris, the game of the day was down at Agra, Kidderminster versus Charlie. Now, with Charlie having a bit of a blip, Kidderminster failed to take advantage. And this was Kidderminster's chance to leapfrog Charlie. And it didn't quite work out for them, did it? 
No, he didn't. Um, and wow, Chorley really are a, sort of arresting their uh, mid-season slump, aren't they? Um, with the two-all draw against Doncaster that seems to have spurred them on to this resort at Kidderminster. I've just watched the goals in that game and some of them, uh, the defending is absolutely shocking on some of them. Have a look at the fourth one. <laughs> it's, you, you really do have to check it out to, to believe it. It's, uh, it's like something you'd see in the playground, but no, fantastic win for Chorley. And by all accounts, Kidderminster are absolutely woeful. There's, uh, there's some good ironic cheers when Kidderminster get a shot on target towards the end of the game. But fantastic work from, from Chorley. Josh, Josh Wilson obviously bagging a couple there. Uh, Elliot Newby as well. So, yeah, really bounced back really well, haven't they, from, from that slump. It's an important result for him as well because they would have had one eye in that Doncaster replay on Tuesday. So, when you look at that, they'd have taken a draw down at Agra. So, for it to go as well as it did, they'll be, uh, they'll be absolutely chuffed and it'll give them real confidence going into that replay. Oh, it really will, won't it? I mean, if they didn't have enough confidence already from that Doncaster game, because, again, if you watch the, the highlights of that one, and today they did get battered a little bit at the end, but they managed to hold on. But So this will definitely give them confidence, won't they? And it's a, not only is it a great occasion going to, to a league ground, it's something I think that Chorley will fancy fancy the chances with in terms of, of Kidderminster I mean I read the friend of the show Shane Wilkinson I saw his report and he said the Natis were getting restless now they're in fifth place still they've got a game in hand on Bradford at the top they're only four points off the top and it was only the fourth defeat of the season but they've had a couple of bad slip ups at home now Chris haven't they yeah they have and yeah that, that home form is, is not great and obviously that's where most of the fans see them so uh, they're seeing a slightly different team sometimes aren't they from home and away but I think they're just Kidderminster fans will just be restless I think they want to be in that higher division they're a, you know, they're a big club they've got the stadium for it they've got the infrastructure for it and I think they just find it frustrating they're always there and thereabouts they'll definitely be in the playoffs don't get me wrong they'll definitely make the playoffs and see where they go from there but I think Kidderminster fans want them a bit further up in, in the league and you know top in that top spot well, second and third in one of the prominent playoff positions and results like yesterday is just not good enough, is it? No, and I think some of the frustration may have come about as well because they've let Joe Ironside and Kennedy Digi go to um, a league rival in York over the past week as well. I mean, Ironside scored quite a few goals for them. Yeah, yeah, and, um, you know, unfortunately for York, though, they're not really a rival at the minute, are they? No. I'm sure we'll get onto them. Yeah later on there they're sort of lounging in the lower reaches of the table but yes yeah, still you've got to wonder haven't you as well why those players uh, have made that switch as well with, with Kidderminster where they are and, and York where they are so I think fans will talk about that as well and, and, and question you know what, what's going on that, that makes uh, York so attractive yeah well they're not so Charlie, a good win for Charlie but they aren't in the top at the minute the team yeah. who were top going into this round of fixtures were Bradford Park Avenue and at Geisley last week we caught up with legendary commentator John Helm who also happens to be a Bradford Park Avenue fan and this is his thoughts so far on the season joined in now at the NL full time because he's just rocked up next to me it's commentary royalty John Helm is with us hello John hello I'm always rocking up around yeah, here yeah, aren't I yeah. see he's a, he's a king of Yorkshire but John a Bradford Park Avenue fan and we were just talking about the result they got at Curzon on Saturday drew 1-1 but you went top of the league John and you were just saying it's your highest ever league position since you reformed yeah we went out of the Football League in 1970 then we had three very undistinguished seasons in Northern Prem uh, and then when we reformed we had to start something like 10 divisions below the Football League so a Sunday League team we've never ever finished higher than 7th in National League North and there we are I wanted to cut the league table yeah. out of the paper this morning and put it up on the wall top of the league you come on boys <laughs> we were saying the good thing about Bradford is even though they've got a rich chairman they're doing it the right way they're building up the ground first rather than chucking money at it on the pitch he's made it very clear to us all that he's not going to throw silly money at the football club but thank goodness we've got him I know he's yeah. put in two or three hundred thousand pound already this season but it's not on the squad we've got one of the smallest squads in the league which is what makes it all the more remarkable that we're up there uh, yeah we are making ground improvements which have been needed 
needed uh, and we're ambitious uh, no question about it we'd love to get back to where we used to be I was going to say is the dream is, are you ahead of schedule is the dream to get into the National League oh absolutely yes I was talking to people about it last week I'm a bit worried because I could imagine the cost of travelling to Dover and Eastleigh and all of those sort of places especially for Yorkshiremen they brought you out in a sweat John didn't it <laughs> I'll, I'll go don't you worry about it uh, but the, the opinion is that if we get there it's that because we've got a good manager the fans want it the manager wants yeah. it the players want it so why would you stop it and then what if and when we do get there then that is the time when you've really got to look at your finances and work out because you'd have to go full-time I reckon but you know we'd get 70,000 pounds for being in that league as opposed to the, the league we're in at the moment you'd hope for a good cup run you know if you get into the first round of the FA Cup you now get 37,000 pounds so they've already thought about it and budgeted uh, accordingly TV games as well you get on, on BT as well well we've been disappointed once or twice in the past where we've had matches against like the Bristol City and that yeah. and never got on because people always remember that we are an ex-football league club like Gates said as Accrington yes. were as Southport are as Barrow are and we'd love to think we could get a, a, yeah, get on TV sometime like Geisley today So prediction then do you think they can go up this year do you think it's too soon might be too soon but I'm not going to say we're not going to do because Mark Bauer is terrific we're there now we're there to be shot at I suppose we're at home to Ashton United uh, next week so you know on the face yeah. of it that should be a winnable match and we're the one thing about it we are very competitive with whoever we play so yeah we can certainly make the playoffs for the second year running just briefly moving away from Bradford Park having you were in Russia for the World Cup I mean how great was that and how great was it to see England do so well as well <laughs> well I was lucky enough to commentate on the victory against Sweden that was my last match actually in, in the World Cup uh, it was great it was, Russia was brilliant uh, I was lucky because I was in three lovely cities Kazan I love Kazan it's a brilliant yeah. place St Petersburg and Samara where the, the Sweden game was uh, it went off superbly far better than anybody could have anticipated there was no trouble the stadiums were wonderful people very friendly I put it amongst the top three out of the ten World Cups I've done excellent and uh, is there a plan to do the next World Cup or is that it for you or well I'd like to think I'm fit enough since then by the way I've been to Indonesia to do the Asian game to <laughs> India to do the, the, the start of the uh, Indian Super League again I've been to Glasgow to do the European Championships in January I do the Asian Cup in uh, Abu Dhabi Dubai so still a busy boy so who knows it's only three and a half years to the next World Cup I've, I've can make that, can I? Excellent, you certainly can. Well, John, uh, best of luck for uh, the rest of the season for Bradford Park Avenue. Thanks for joining us. So that was John Helm, and he did say, well, we've got a game at Ashton, which we should be winning. And Chris, well, with 10 minutes to go, they weren't winning it, were they? <laughs> no, and do you know what? It was the late, late, late show, wasn't it? It really was. And funnily enough, it was in a lot of games in the North, and we'll come on to them in a second, but particularly in this one with, with Bradford Park Avenue scoring the first goal through Lewis Knight on 84 minutes, with Aston United 2-0 up from well, very early in the game. They turned it round and actually won 3-2, and it's it's a ridiculous score, that, isn't it? But it just shows that the fighting qualities. Mark Bauer says, you know, they haven't played well in the last two games. I was at the one at Curzon Ashton, the other Ashton club, last week. Um, but we've got four points. He, he didn't think they played well because Ashton came and sat in, as Ashton do. You know, they're really tough to break down. They work really hard and definitely getting two goals in front. They'd think they, uh, they'd think we were going to pick up the three points, but... I think that says wonders for Bradford Park Avenue. In terms of Ashton United, they'll be um, they'll be devastated, won't they? Because they'll they'll have thought that they had that game, and uh, their form has been improving in recent weeks as well. But you know, hats off to to Bradford Park Avenue. They're uh, they're going great guns, and with with Chorley winning four 0 as we've just spoken, they they did need to win that game. Can Bradford stay up there, Chris? I know John Helm was saying that. They'd like to think they can stay up there. It might be a season too soon, but they'll be ready for it and they won't turn it down if it does arise. I think they'll find it extremely difficult to stay up there. I do expect other clubs to... Uh, I think that, I think it's going to be a season of, of chopping and changing at the top. I don't think there's any club really who's taking, who's taking the ball by the horns. I think it's... It's as open as it has been in years, the National League North this year. Probably, probably, well, I say years, a couple of seasons ago there was a similar situation. It's just going to be competitive till the last. I think I think that lead's going to change hands quite a lot. I think Telford are looking strong, Spennymore are looking strong, you'd expect Chester to get a run in as well. So 
it's going to be really tight. But look, there's only six points separating Bradford in uh, in top and Brackley in eighth. That seems beautifully into the game you were at, Chris Brackley, who were uh, at Stockport County yesterday, and well, they'll feel a bit. They dropped out of the playoff places because they were leading until the very last minute of stoppage time, and uh, they were pegged back in the end by Frankie Mulhern, weren't they, Chris, at Stockport County? Yeah, they were. County were very nearly bracketed again for. <laughs> well, it seems to happen every single time. It's the whenever I watch County v Brackley games, it's the same game every single time. It's the same game, and um, County. They haven't got a very good record against Brackley at all, but Brackley, it was nearly the consummate away performance. They they kept it tight in the first half, and I thought they were outstanding in the second half. And um, you know, County were very lucky to to get out of jail in the end with that Frankie Mulhern header. And one thing that that did happen in that game, County County boss Jim Gannon got sent. Sent out from the dugout because there was a bit of, bit of a scuffle on the uh, on the benches. Uh, I didn't see what happened. I was watching the match, um, but I turned around and saw him on the floor, and um, he got up, and there was a bit of a scuffle with I think either assistant manager or one of the one of the coaches or something. But one thing that that did do was it sort of galvanised the fans, and it got the noise levels up, and it was probably the worst thing that could have happened for Brackley because. Uh, that goal came off the back of uh, you know a real sort of improvement in the atmosphere around the ground. And afterwards, you caught up with the Brackley boss, Kevin Wilkin. Kevin, you must be gutted by that last-minute equaliser. Of course we are. Um, you know, it's too many times that that's happened to us this season. You know, you look at the level of performance. I thought first half it was fairly fairly even. I think Stockport had a bit more of the ball than us in the first half, but never really created any chances. And I thought you know second half it was just. You know, our total dominance really. Um, we scored a fantastic goal and really should have put the game to bed thereafter. Uh, and when you don't, you know, moments like that can come back to haunt you. It's been proved again, it's, it has done. As I say, when you look at the overall performance, I'm taking a restart and a, and a you know a glancing header out of the the equation to that's all I've really got to moan about today. I mean it was almost a consummate away performance wasn't yeah. it? I was going to be congratulating you on, on the, yeah. how you did it because you kept it tight in the first half and uh, you went at them in the second half was that part of the plan? Yeah, absolutely. You know, we knew we didn't want Stockport to start fast. Um, we had to play on the counter a little bit in the first half and I thought our ball when we got into the, their final third which wasn't as often as we normally experience wasn't quite where we wanted it to be but we knew off the back of you know how we'd sort of manage the game in the first half Stockport have been in good form lately haven't they uh, terrific result against Yeovil and their confidence will be high I thought we managed the, that confidence out of them a little bit and forced them into errors and then when we had the you know the turnovers of the ball we passed it really well and as I say the goal was a terrific goal we've got in other moments there where we've waited for a moment and, and then pounced and should have I'm better in front of goal, really, but uh, no. Look, look, as I said, that coming off the you know off the back of sort of 90 minutes of, of fantastic football and game management, mm. uh, it's disappointing to, to go and concede like we have. But as I say, if that's all I've got to have a gripe about, we're hopefully moving in the right direction. And the goal you scored was fantastic, wasn't it? It was a passing move, must have been 10-15 passes in that, and it was just it's perfect. It was a five-side goal in the end, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. It was arguably the best goal we've scored this season uh, it's nice to see Lee get on the end of it he worked so hard for the team and um, you know put him in that in that situation and finish from where he did is a it's a real striker's goal and, and you know we're trying to develop Lee and his game back to back to goal is very good we've got to get him a little bit sharper in front of goal but as I say I thought the work rate the organisation that we showed today was was right up there to, to come here and like I say face a face a side of Stockport in such a such a good vein of form uh, and manage it and be dominant without scoring the goals that we have was, was terrific and you're in the playoff places again at the moment and uh, what, what are your aspirations for this season yeah I think everybody will look at it if, if probably if you offered nearly all the clubs in it an, op- you know, an opportunity to play in the playoffs they'd take it now such is the competitive level of the league um, but we've you know this has happened on too many occasions where we've created the better chances against side and largely outplayed a lot of sides this season and not finished their job and it's again it's come back to haunt us but that's that, that's something we need to improve on and continue to work and improve on but that's that's the honesty they show within the group that they we work hard Tuesday Thursday when we get in together and the fact that they continue to do that and apply themselves in the right way and if we can take that into the into the you know being in and around it come the come the new year we'll give ourselves a great opportunity thanks Kevin thank you that was the Brackley boss Kevin Wilkin and um, 
he'll be slightly disappointed but it was interesting to hear that he felt they are going in the right direction they've had a bit of a they had a slow start to the season and they're really starting to pick up and like you say Chris looking back to how they were hard to beat and and uh, picking up points. Do you know what? They look like the same Brackley that I've seen for the last few seasons. I'm always impressed when I see Brackley play. Um, I think I even tipped them to, to go up automatically this season at the start of the year. They have the, the drawing too many games and that, that will disappoint them. Um, you know, they are unbeaten for a, for a long while in the league, but they're not winning those matches. They've drawn seven and they've won seven, and you know, a goal here or there, and that would be that would be a lot different. But you know, he was very philosophical, considering he'd be absolutely gutted about that result because, it, like I say, it was nearly the perfect away performance. He uh, he's very philosophical in that. You know, I think he does believe that they can they can be back in those playoffs if not. You know, in the top spot at the end of the season. Another result, surprising result of the day was Southport, and all of a sudden they they looked dead and buried a few a few weeks ago. But they're flying now, and they're out of the relegation zone thanks to a win at Boston on Saturday. Yeah, for me, do you know what? For me, although Charlie won that four 0 the way at Kidderminster, I think this one, I think this is the result of the day for me in the uh, in the National League North because going away to to Boston, Boston, although their form hasn't been great the last few games, Southport. Phew, they did look dead and buried, didn't they? Not so long ago, and they've managed to string three wins together to to pull themselves out of that relegation zone, albeit on goal difference. But I think um, I think the league table looks a lot more rosy for Southport fans at the moment, and it gives them a lot of confidence to 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 kick on. One of the one of the players that is really kicking on for them this season, I think, is Jack Sampson. He's popping up with really important goals a, a lot of the time. And it was another late one in this game that that, that was the the winner. I believe it was from a, a long throw, which um, we know that uh, Liam Watson does like his long throws. Mm. <laughs> long throwers, I think he seeks them out, doesn't he? Um, but Ryan Astle's um, got on the under one and. Uh, Southport took the points great result for them another great result was for Blyde Spartans because they were staring down the barrel as well they could have been in the relegation zone on Saturday evening however they fought back from being two goals down to raw back and beat Curzon Ashton at home and Blythe are normally strong at home they've shown weaknesses at home this year but that'll be a massive result for them they'll be looking to kick on now huge result for Blythe absolutely and uh, another Ashton team goes 2-0 up away from home yesterday and ends up uh, getting beat 3-2 unfortunately the script for Curzon was exactly the same as the script for Ashton United and, and Bryce Barton, Spartans coming back and, and winning that game 3-2 and you know, I was looking for a bit of the post-match stuff on that game as well. And uh, one thing that Robbie Dale said when he was asked, he said, you know, they were creating loads and loads of chances in that game, and they just weren't putting them away. And it seems like in the second half they did, uh, they did put them away. And for Curzon, you know, again, the nature of the defeat they'll be devastated and I think they'd have fancied the chances at Blythe and you know they're higher than them in the in the league and I think they would have fancied to go there and, and you know possibly pick up a few points but you know fair play to Blythe again if you any team that comes back from 2-0 down and, and, and wins the game uh, deserves credit don't they quick look at a couple of other results as well Chester they missed a chance to go second uh, they lost at Leamington yesterday quite a surprising result that about a good result for Leamington yeah Leamington continue to uh continue to surprise don't they and uh, yeah fantastic result another late goal there by by Colby Bishop winning that one but Leamington no pushovers are they we've spoke to uh, Paul Holleran early in the season and you know he, he knows where they are in the league he knows the sort of pecking order of the, of, the, of the National League North and he knows that he's he's actually fighting with six, seven, seven or eight clubs to, to go up that league so when you beat one of the big boys in Chester I think that's a significant uh, result isn't it and you know real hats off to them and finally uh, the game we were at last week Geisley versus Cambridge they caused an FA Cup upset they, they welcomed high flying Spennymore to Nethermore the crowd the crowd continued to come out there was 964 there on Saturday unfortunately for Geisley though, they couldn't get the win but they had to come from behind and another draw for Geisley they seem to have drawn a lot this year and they're languishing probably not where they want to be they're in 15th currently yeah, more draw specialists, aren't they? They've got more draws than anyone else apart from uh, Darlington, I think, who've got a very similar record. Yeah, another team, a little goal here and there um, would would really do them good. And at the end of the day, you know, 
Uh, whilst the FA Cup runs fantastic and they will be pulling in the pounds from that, they've got another league club at home in the next round. They will be wanting to make progress up that division, especially after being uh, after being relegated next year. And we've seen that they have got the player power to be able to do that. So something's not quite clicking in the league, is it? Um, I thought it was really interesting, actually, for anyone who watched Match of the Day, uh, the FA Cup match of the day last week, the feature, the sort of um, special feature they did on Kane Felix, and he's someone that I've spoken to about for for a while. And when he's on his game, he can make a real difference. But when he's not, you know, he's he's not. He's either great or not great. I think Kane Felix, but he's he's one of those players that they need to they need to keep keep in form. And I think they will. I think they'll move up that division, Luke. And I think uh, I think they'll be pushing for playoffs as well. Although they are eight points off at the moment. And finally, another team had a slowish start to the season to adapt to Altingham, and they've gone into the playoff places after a really impressive 3-0 win over York. Although, is it that impressive because York have been in a really wretched run of form recently? I mean, they're only three points off the relegation zone. They're in 17th, and surely York can't go down again. Well, yeah, you don't th- you'd think not, wouldn't you? But the form is absolutely abysmal at the moment. It really is, and you do have to worry for York because... They seem to be that team who are dropping like a stone at the moment, and it's almost inexplicable, isn't it? You, you've got a feel for them in a way, but you know, no team is too big to to go down, are they? And um, they're really struggling. Altringham, on the other hand, we haven't really spoken about them much. They're sort of sneaking up that league, but they've won four out of the last five league games, and you know, any three nil victory is impressive. Another late goal in that one as well, but. By that time, they were already 2-0 up. And it was the form team against the outer form team, wasn't it, yesterday, I think. And uh, obviously, uh, the Robins came out of the victors. Hi, everyone. I'm Martin Tyler. You are listening to the NL Full-Time Podcast. So, in the National League South, Woking, they seem to have sorted themselves out again after a little bad run that they had. They went down to Slough. Tough place to go, Slough, on that 3G service. But they got a really good 1-0 win there through a Ben Gering goal. Yeah, decent uh, decent uh, three points away from home. Can never, you can never knock that, can you? A clean sheet and three points away from home. Doesn't matter how you get it done. Um, I think Dartford have, have crept up you know, into that playoff chase now as well. They did the same thing yesterday against uh, Hampton and Richmond. Hampton and Richmond that are that are dropping like a stone. We'll have a look at the bottom end, of course, in in just a minute. But uh, uh, Welling, three-one winners against Western Supermare. They stay right up there and free-scoring Torquay United four goals again yesterday, Luke uh, and uh, Concord Rangers put to the sword. Yeah, and talking of Welling, really, really good win, as you say, over the bottom side, Western Superman. The impressive Nassim Lagul scored again. And whenever I've seen him, he's a tricky winger, but a really good player. And he got in the score sheet as well. And Welling are, are certainly knocking on the door, only three points off the top spot. And Torquay, as you said, they've raced up the table in no time. And they're knocking on the door as well. They're only four points off the top. And if they do end up in the, in the playoffs Tarki you would fancy them wouldn't you yeah well certainly the way they're scoring goals right now that's for sure um, with this division uh, you know we talked about maybe a three horse race for the title in the National League possibly four but in this league if you look at that league table uh, right now and, I'm, and, and we're recording this on Sunday morning the top 12 teams could say that they are still in the title race uh, eight points the difference from first to 12 and I seem to remember that a bit like last season Luke this is the division that just keeps on giving because you, you can't call it can you um, every time you think uh, oh yeah Billy Ricky should you know they should start walking this you know they get pegged back and uh, you know uh, they they did the opposite to getting pegged back yesterday of course didn't they they went and stole themselves a point in the 95th minute didn't they yeah, against Hungerford, and that's a that's a really good result for Hungerford. Although it it keeps them in the relegation zone. Ian Herring will be really encouraged by that. They were they went ahead in the 90th minute, but then as I say Brad Inman's second goal of the game in the 95th minute rescued Billericay, kept them in second place. Uh, but both teams will be happy, I think, Rob, with that. Hungerford will be happy that they've given Bill Ricky a really good game, but we're disappointed that they've they've uh, they've dropped two points. And Bill Ricky will be just probably pleased to have shown character and come back. Well, certainly looking at their uh, official club's tweet yesterday, that goal went in, and it says, "And somehow we've got a point." 
you know. So, uh, so I think, yeah, that's the point. That will feel like three points to uh, to Billericay in the circumstances. They will, of course, have had that one down as, as as a game that they were most certainly looking for the three points in. But the result that really caught my eye yesterday, Luke, I have to say, my team of the day in the conference, I oh, beg your pardon, in the National League South, are uh, Chippenham and. Uh, uh, they put Wilson to the sword, 3-1 winners there. And have a look at that uh, playoff race, uh, Luke. You've got the table in front here. Mm. Who's that team knocking right on the door there? Chippenham. Got a right second win, haven't they? Yeah, and we spoke to uh, we spoke to Lee from Chippenham a few weeks ago and he said, speak to me at Christmas if we're in the playoffs, I'll start to dream. Well, they are having a hell of a season this year and what a win that was over Wheelstone and you can't rule them out a bit like Solihull. We kept saying, oh, Solihull, is it just a really good start, a flash in the pan? But Chippenham, I don't think you can uh, say it's a flash in the pan now. I think they are serious contenders for a playoff. Yeah, I think so. Much the same as like we look at Solihull in the league above, yeah. You know, when you've got a, a league table with sort of six, seven, eight games played, and someone's up there, you you don't know if it's sustainable. But they're they're there, pushing on close to halfway through the season now. So uh, you know, cap stopped uh, to cap stopped to uh, Chippenham, and another team that I want to mention yesterday because we're in that stage, aren't we, with the FA Cup, where it's so easy, where these teams have got big ties or big replays, so easy to take your eye off the ball in the league. And I just want to pick out Oxford City. You know, uh, in between those two massive games against Tranmere, the uh, replay of which is going to be live on TV this coming midweek, uh, they've gone away to Dulwich Hamlet and won 1-0. And given that they're in a fight for their own league survival, as they were last year, um, that's a magnificent three points for Oxford City yesterday. Yeah, and goalkeeper King was the king. He got man of the match yesterday in that game. Another game we want to talk about, we mentioned about the, the curse of the non-league paper for Chelmsford. They lost 2-0 at home to Troll City. Great result for Troll, but it <laughs> apparently all kicked off towards the end of the game between the two benches and it was a, a right kerfuffle, but Troll came out the right side of it. And again, they start the relegation. They're five points clear to relegation zone and with everything that's gone on this season, Rob, that's remarkable. Yeah, it is. They've done extremely well and we talked in the last recent weeks about them being really lifted off the pitch as well by the news of their uh, return to Trey Road. So uh, things are on the up for Truro. A couple of other results in the division went the way you would have expected. There was a 2-1 away win for Hemel at East Thurrock and uh, a 1-0 win for Bath against Eastbourne and, uh, you know, uh, both those sides uh, very much in the playoff hunt, uh, possibly the title race. Um, and Eastbourne and uh, East Thurrock well I think we know both of them are going to be in a scrap right to the end of the season Yeah great win for Bath we're going to try and get someone on from Bath in the next couple of weeks to talk about their early season form well we say early season we're into mid-season now aren't we but they've had um, they're, they're staying up there after a pretty quiet season last season now if you've not got your Christmas present sorted yet, then we have got the perfect present for you. Courtesy of our friends at Sports Media, they've given you a chance to win Big John Parkins' book, Feed the Beast. So it's pints, pies, poles, and a belly full of goals. And not only that, but the book is signed as well. And uh, Rob, I know you've read the book, and I know you, you very much enjoyed it. Yeah, I'm, I'm not much of a reader. I do like to take one or two away on holiday with me and, and have a read on the Sun Lounger, and uh, I took... Uh, big John Parkins book away with me uh, a month or so ago uh, and, I, and, I, and first and foremost listeners, I just had a good old chuckle reading it you know, he, he, he writes in, in, in a similar way to how he talks and he's a, he's a funny guy um, and I guess really it's a story of, uh, you know it, it's a player of a different breed, of a different era if you like, that's been playing in the modern era and somehow he's, he's managed to uh, not compromise himself and still be that person that he is in, in an ever-changing environment where everything's all now about, you know, dedication to uh, to fitness and diet and sports science and everything else, somehow that chap continued to make a, a decent career, um, you know, out of uh, out of the person that he was. And, uh, yeah, some really, really funny stories in there. It's a great read. And, by the way, it's a crispy, fresh, new signed copy that we're giving away, listeners, not my... Uh, not my one with a bit of suntan oil on it and curled up edges from the, <laughs> from, from the holiday. Yeah, I mean, if you do want Rob's copy, we can send it with sun cream on it if you want. But if you do want to win this signed John Parking book, courtesy of our friends at Sports Media, all you have to do is, when we tweet out about the podcast, retweet us and include hashtag FeedTheBeast. 
and then one lucky winner will win that signed John Parkin book and you'll get a nice Christmas stocking filler so good luck with that the FA Cup replays are taking place this week as you say some some tasty ones there Salford they're at home to Shrewsbury Town Oxford City they're at home to Tranmere Rovers and then Aldershot they're away at Bradford City amongst others and I think out the, the most likely ones out of that are probably Salford against Shrewsbury yeah I'd have to say that um, because they were able to uh win comfortably on Saturday without going through all the gears and, and they were able to, to rest the two prolific strikers towards the end of that game so they'll go in fresh, hungry and confident I think it'll be a much harder task for uh, Aldershot going to Bradford Bradford uh, still a long while without a win but picked up a very useful point uh, away at third place Peterborough um, at the weekend uh, and Aldershot will have to go into that one without uh, the injured Scott Rendell as well so uh, yeah but uh, uh, big, big opportunity for uh, Oxford City uh, and for Salford in front of the TV cameras. So, uh, so good luck to them. Excellent. Yeah, and now we're going to look at our Step 3 focus. Our Step 3 focus this week is on Barwell. Not a lot of people may know much about Barwell. They, they currently play in the Southern League Premier Division Central after being in the Northern Premier League for quite a few seasons they're only a village side the capacity of their Kirby Road ground is just 2,500 so they're always punching above the weight a little bit they were basically formed in 1992 as a merger of Hinkley of the Midland Combination Premier Division and Barwell Athletic of the Leicestershire Senior League Premier Division they were founder members of Midland Alliance in 1994 and after finishing runners up in 2008-2009 they won the league the following season earning promotion to Division 1 South of the Northern Premier League current Ketu manager Marcus Law in charge and he oversaw their best record ever where they went unbeaten for 66 games their first season in the Northern Premier League saw them win the title which earned them promotion to step three of the National League system but instead of playing in the Northern League Premier Division the couple moved to the Premier Division of the Southern League However, two years later, they were transferred back to the Northern Premier League. In 2015 and 16, they reached the FA Cup for the first time in their history where they lost 2-0 at home to Welling United, who were then a National League side. Last season, they finished 10th out of 24 teams in the Northern Premier League before, as I said, they were transferred over to the Southern Division Central, where they currently lie in 10th place. On Saturday, they got a, they got a good 1-0 away win at St. Neots Town and they currently play Kingsland Town in their next game. Their manager, Jimmy Ginelli, has been there since 2011 and has overseen real improvement in the club. They developed some great players, including Matt Stenson, who, as we mentioned earlier on in the show, went to Leamington in the summer before getting his move to Solihull a few weeks back. Ginelli's got a great reputation at the club and has been sorted by many other of the Midlands club, but has opted to stay at Barwell throughout his time there. Barwell will be hoping to reach the playoffs this season of the Southern League Central Premier Division, and we will keep check of their progress throughout the season. But Rob, thank you, thank you for joining us once again this week. Have a great footballing week, everybody, and we'll uh, speak to you again next weekend. Yeah, and thank you as well to Chris Pratt. Bye bye, guys. Bye. And I've been Luke Edwards. Thank you all for listening. Don't forget. Tweet us at NL Full Time and retweet as well to win that John Parkin signed book. And also follow us on Facebook, NL Full Time. If you want to email us as well, it's nlfulltime at gmail.com. We shall see you all very soon.